sometimes I feel guilty that some of the items in my closet have only been worn like once. But I also sometimes feel like I open my closet and have nothing to wear. Armoire can help with all of that because Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. You can rent high quality designer clothing for every occasion and then send it back. Whether you're planning for your outfit for a date night or packing for a conference or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best dressed person in the room. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items for your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in little as two days and then you're ready for new clothes. Just swap them out for new to you styles. I cannot wait to try my first box. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash mess. That is armoire.style slash mess, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash mess to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Christian Parenting. This is Cynthia Yanoff, and you're listening to Pardon the Mess. Each week, we have honest discussions about the ups and downs of parenting and the lessons God is teaching us along the way. It's real, it's fun, and it's biblical. Life is messy. Don't walk the parenting road alone. Before we get started, I want to give you a great way to commit yourself to praying over your kids intentionally and specifically, and that's by going to ParentingPrayerChallenge.com. You sign up, it's completely free, all they need is your email address, and then you receive 31 days of emails that come every single morning with a scripture and a specific topic to pray over your kids. Topics like purity, integrity, self-image, salvation, all of these will encourage you to pray for your children, one of the most powerful things we can do for our kids. Check it out, it's ParentingPrayerChallenge.com. Hey guys, welcome to Pardon the Mess. I'm glad you're joining us today. We have Ann Voskamp with us, and this is the first time she's ever been on the show, and whoo, she does not disappoint. I love her voice, by the way. It is like so tranquil and smooth and soothing. Oh my goodness, I love it. Very unlike my own. But today she says several things that just like stick with you that meant so much in my life. And so listen in for these things. She talks about stillness and how our strength is found in the stillness. And that's that stillness with God, that time with him. And I think for all of us, raising kids in the chaos of all that's going on, finding strength in the stillness is something that I think we all need a little bit of. She also talks about all the ways she feels like she's gotten it wrong in parenting and just finding vulnerability to go back and to make those things right and to do it differently with her kids now. And so uh, the other thing that I love was when she talks about so often that In the obstacles we're facing, in the hard we're facing, right there in the middle of that is where the miracle is. And so there's just so much wisdom for living life well, for raising kids well. I just love every bit of it, and you will too. So I'm thrilled to have her with us today. Here we go with Anne Voskamp. Anne Voskamp, how are you? Oh, I am so grateful to be with you today, Cynthia. 
Well, I'm giddy. You've never been here before. And I feel like I know you and I've read your words and I've heard you speak in different places on different platforms. And I'm like, yay, today's our day. And so I'm the lucky one. I get to be with Cynthia today. Yay, yay, yay. Well, we'll see about that. Okay. But we got to talk about this real quick. We were just saying before we started recording, you're in Canada and I'm in Dallas. And so let's just start by saying, we got to do this. What's the weather there? And I'm going to tell you what's going on here. Well, yesterday, Cynthia, I could see patches of green grass coming up through the snow, and I was so excited. And this morning, I look out there, and it is the snow is coming down. It's all white everywhere I can see. It has regressed and reverted. Spring is not quite brave enough to show its face today. Not yet. Okay, well, at the time, then, as we're recording this, in Dallas, we're having a, and I'm using air quotes, we're having a wintry mix. And Tell me I don't about wintry in Dallas, Cynthia. Well, a wintry mix means... You may get a little precipitation and it's kind of cold. Now we're going to shut down all infrastructure. We're going to hole up in our houses. We're not going to send our kids to school, which listen, and I'm not against, I love a good pretend snow day with the next, but having just lived through COVID as we all did, send the kids to school. And, and so that's how we like today you have a snow day. Well, my kids are actually at school, but we've gotten all the texts saying like, if there is to be any precipitation, which could be, sometimes it is, sometimes it is like freezing rain or sleet, but they will send those people home. They've canceled every sporting event. Like if this were a different day, they would, they would cancel the church events. Like we had it a few weeks ago and all the Wednesday night events were canceled, like just in the chance. And then sometimes we do get a little bit of ice or whatever. And and, and in our defense, we don't have the setup for that, but I always kind of have to giggle when I tell you we're having a little winter episode here (laughs) and you would be like, oh, well, this is like Tuesday in April. Can I get you a coat and a pair of boots? We're fine. Yes, (laughs) yes. Everyone carry on. But well, tell everyone, Anne, and most people know this, I'm sure, but tell everybody a little bit about your, your life, your people, all the things. Yeah, all the things. So- Yes, we live in the far north. Um, I'm about an hour and a half from Toronto, Canada. Um, my husband and I have been married. I think I might get this wrong, Cynthia. 27 years, I think. Wow. Close um, enough. Close yeah, enough. Close enough. Close enough. Um, and we live on a farm about 900 acres. We have just over 600 cows. So we always have about a thousand baby piglets. A thousand. A thousand baby piglets. And... Um, we have, I have my little flock of eight sheep and my two cows and all my hens. Um, and we have seven kids that range in age from 26 down to seven. So we had six biological, six biological kids in 10 years. And then we uh, adopted our last sweet little girl. So um, we, we span, we span seven kids across two decades. Wow. 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 Okay. Now, do we read into anything that you referenced your animals, specifically your pigs before your kids? What do I take from that? Anything in particular? Uh, no, no, you should not take anything from that. Only that I started with being married and then that always folds into the farmer himself and what he does. But, yes. Yes. But no, the, the kids are, yeah. Not okay. in the same category as all those things. As the animals. Um, mine, mine overlap sometimes. I feel like my kids <laughs> act like the animals and it's very confusing over here some days, but that's for another day, Anne. Um, okay, and so I meant to say this before we were recording because I always hate for the, the people who know this show and know me to hear it over and over, but just... Um, I'm going to give you a little background. So I have a, a big span. I just don't have as many kids, but I've one in college. I've one that's starting high school and one that started kindergarten. Also Isn't an adult. That, okay. Yes. Can we say, Isn't that the best? It's the best. And my, so I say they're all freshmen, a freshman in high school, freshman in college and a kindergartner is a freshman. I love it. 
And so they're all freshmen this year. And then my youngest was also adopted. And so, and I know you have an adoption. And so I love that commonality, but here's what I wanted to chat with you about. And I wonder as people listen to this, I wonder if they, if you have any gap, if you, if you have kind of the same experience, but what do you know, or what have you experienced in parenting from like the first round that seems different in the second round? And I'm going to give you a little bit of like insight on me and give you a second to think about that. But I was thinking, and I'm going to take a more serious road and I'm never serious, but my more serious road is I feel like the first round when I was going through with my oldest, that there was a lot more room, a lot more margin to not know what you're doing, to maybe have a kid that's not good at everything, to be able to say like, this is really tricky and we're struggling, maybe not even struggling well some days. And I feel like on this, on this youngest that there's less of that for some reason. And maybe that's where I am in life or who I live around. But have you seen, what does it look like for you? Such an interesting perspective, Cynthia. I hadn't really considered it that way. I mean, clearly, yes. I mean, you raise a child and then you think, okay, can I get a do-over that now that I know how I should have done it? Right, right. Um, So I do feel that way. But I I think with my, we kind of have like three go arounds here we have like the three oldest then kind of the three middle and then our youngest so like it's like (laughs) I'm lapping the third time here Cynthia Um, yeah and I think my first lap with my three oldest oh Cynthia I was aiming for perfection and that I would be a perfect parent I had to get it all right Mm. I don't think I really understood Oh, it's painful to say. I don't think I really understood grace very well, Cynthia. Oh, I didn't wow. understand yeah. it for me as a parent. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand it very well for my kids. Where And by the time we had the second lap with the middle three, oh, I was much more of grace-based parenting. Mm-hmm. And, and with my third lap around, even more so, because adoption, that, that's much more mm-hmm. of a a trauma-informed parenting experience. So that, that, that's a, a very, and I'll hopefully, oh, please, Lord, let it be so. I've grown in parenting so that I, we can step into that brokenhearted hallelujah of adoption with um, a deep sensitivity. But I, I grieve and ache with my my first three who I had to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear, Cynthia, all of my, my missteps that, that I had such a high bar for me as a parent. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying we don't aim for excellence, but I had such a high bar for them and, and realizing, oh, just as Jesus has grace for me, what does grace-based parenting look for my own children? So I think, um, mm, and so- I, I just, I was driven so much by, oh, Cynthia, I was driven so much by first-time obedience with my first three children. When I don't have first-time obedience with God, in my own relationship with God. And he, he meets me with grace over and over again. And he wins me and woos me back to himself as the prodigal father flies off the porch and runs the whole long way, the distance to us. And, and to, you know what? My mother always taught me that it's not that you're not going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. It's what you do with it afterwards. Oh, that's good. That's yes. good. And I had to go back to my three oldest children and say, Mama is so sorry and actually name the places that I know I got it wrong and leave an open door for them to say at any point in time, my heart and my door are wide open for you to share what that was like for you and other experiences, what it was like for you so that I can hear what it was like for you and own that 
and ask for your forgiveness. And what can I do to, to make that right? But yeah. I just think as a parent, as a parent, they need to see that. Yeah. I need to That's run across so... as much as them. And where is my own humility as a parent? And, and kids are so gracious to forgive. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm brought low by their grace in forgiving where I got it so wrong, Cynthia. Mm, that's so that's beautiful and it's so good and as you're saying that you know what I think I'm realizing and and I'm going back on what I originally said but I think that I have so much more grace for my children now this or my youngest especially now again a different story adoption and all of that and foster care history and so that's a different situation however I find that sometimes I have less grace on myself because I feel like I've already walked the road and I should know better. And so it's interesting as I'm extending more grace towards my kids, I feel like there's almost a little bit less grace on myself because I'm like, I should know. And so it's just interesting dichotomy to do it again. There's all the practicalities of kind of doing this again. That's so fun. And the preschool pictures and, and the first day of kindergarten, when your college kid and your high school kid go with them this first day. Yes. Isn't that crazy? crazy I remember remember the very beginning, um, changing diapers with one of my older boys saying, okay, mom, I didn't mean to interrupt the diaper change, but I'm headed back to university now here tonight. And I'm like, wow, like here I am stretched one way, but you know what, in those, as a parent, when you are stretched to the older kids and the younger kids, not only does that stretching actually form us cruciform, where we're actually being formed like a cross with our arms stretched out in both directions, but it also, that stretching, it's like a thin place where we get to see more of Jesus as we're stretched across the age span. It's really, I didn't know Cynthia, how beautiful it really would be. Yeah. 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 Uh, And, and I find that so much of what's beautiful in raising my kids now that maybe I couldn't see earlier was the beauty comes in the hard. Um, And even though I hate the hard, we all hate the hard, the hard can drive you crazy, but the hard is where um, I think we've all seen the biggest, the largest glimpses of God and, you know, in our yes. life, that was foster care and, um, and, but in a lot of other ways. And, and so you've, you've written about this in your most recent book, Waymaker. It's so good. I am fortunate to get to read it already. And, um, and, you know, sometimes I feel like if we're not careful, if you follow a lot of Christian um, I hate to use the word influencers, but people that we love, we know people that I talk to all the time on this podcast, but sometimes it can feel a little bit like maybe they got things right that we didn't, that then have allowed them a platform that God can use. And then I have to go back and remind myself, like God was using people that were so flawed all throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. And it's those people that -hmm. were broken down and, and that he then was able to use them. And so then I read what you've written and I'm like, oh, you've written a whole book on, and, and I mean, this, I mean, this, you know, you say it, I know you're getting it wrong, kind of, right? Yeah, I mean, you've I written a book I wrote, on, I got I wrote it wrong. A book, I wrote a book, a whole book, Cynthia, yeah. about all the ways I got it wrong. And I don't mean just a little bit wrong. I mean, I got it really, really wrong. And the trajectory of my life ending up in a place that I never would have imagined that I would end up. And I really hope Waymaker is a compass that I can hand to somebody and say, here, this is how I got the turns. Because I really believe the art of life, all of life turns on the turn. Where are you going to turn when you hit obstacles? Where are you going to turn when life, when you hit that suffering, you hit that pain? Our default is like, where am I going to turn for comfort? Where am I going to turn to escape this pain? So Waymaker really is about handing you a compass 
to say, this is the, these are the turns I took and look where I ended up. And these are the turns I am now taking. And I will never let go of these turns because I want to make sure I'm headed in this trajectory because we're all going to hit suffering and roadblocks and no ways and obstacles. And we think we need a way through. And what I really realized, Cynthia, was I needed a way of life, a rhythm of life, a habit of life, a cadence, a, the way to walk through every single day so that I had a way of life that kept me in the way of Jesus himself, who is always the way through. Mm. So yes, you're right. I wrote a, a deeply vulnerable story about how I got the turns all wrong and how I realize now what the turns need to be so that I'm always headed in a sure, right, good way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as, and it's kind of all of our stories, whether or not we're vulnerable enough to be able to acknowledge them or write them or, or publish them for the world is mm -hmm. a whole different story, but this just where we get it wrong and God's getting it right in the yes. midst of that and yes. how beautiful that is. And so, um, before anybody panics over here, I'm putting you on the spot, but it's also in your press kit that, that this is some of the things we can talk about. So don't anybody think I'm insensitive over here, but but I would love for you just, uh, will you share a little bit of maybe a deep place where you feel like that you've written about where maybe you got it wrong, but you can look back now and, and you can see how you, the Lord is starting to develop this whole process of how to walk this road. Could you just share with us a little bit what that looked like? Yeah, I think sometimes, especially, um, especially as parents, we're trying to work out two relationships under our roofs. We are working out a marriage relationship. At the same time, we're working out relationships with children. And sometimes our relationships with our children, um, be it teenagers or toddlers, yeah. those can be really stressful situations. And then you add a marriage relationship on top of that. And you're like, oh, I'm trying to deal in all kinds of different ways here. Um, and for me, Cynthia, my default became... Um, I really turn towards what do I need to do to take care of myself in this? I turn towards, in the book I talk about, um, I turned inward in lots of ways. I withdrew. Um, where am I going to run for comfort? Where am I going to run to numb out and escape from pain? And that turning, and we do that in all kinds of different ways where we are turning inward to take care of ourselves. Sometimes that looks like retail therapy. Sometimes that looks like I'm headed to the fridge. Sometimes that looks like I'm going to escape into a screen here. So we all have our, um, our default turns to try to bypass pain and suffering. And Waymaker really was about me realizing the subtitle is finding the way to the life you've always dreamed of. And sometimes, you know what, we think that's a promised land, some place that we need to get to. But really what we're really looking for is attachment, connection. We're looking for intimacy. The life we've always dreamed of is always about being intimately seen and known and loved and safe. And you don't get to that place apart from relationship, which means intimacy and relationship only happens through vulnerability which means you have to turn towards people with all of the ache and the pain as opposed to turning inward on yourself. And I'm going to self-preserve and I'm going to self-protect and I'm going to take care of myself, which is really literally a posture of my hands in front of my chest. I'm going to protect my heart from this hurt and this pain and take care of myself. And 
do we have a way of life that keeps us living into vulnerability? Where my hands are outstretched both to God and people, where I'm living, that vulnerability is always going to be in the posture of cruciformity. I'm going to be shaped and formed like a cross, and I'm going to let people into my pain. I think lots of times in our relationships, Cynthia, we struggle with trust. Can I trust you with my pain that you're not going to hurt me more? Can I trust God to be really honest to say like, this is a really hard road and I didn't expect this road and I didn't expect this kind of suffering and believe that God is big enough to hear that kind of pain. Cause I think lots of times, I mean, lots of times, Cynthia, I don't even think we're being honest with God about how painful this is. Um, so Waymaker is about finding and discovering a way of life that's really um, a sacred way of life. And that sacred being an acronym, S-A-C-R-E-D, a sacred way of life that allows me to be really honest and vulnerable, both with God and with my own self, which then, because we're only going to have as healthy relationships with other people, our kids, our spouse, our partner. When we have when we have deep vulnerability with God and we're honest with where we are actually at in our own soul. And I think in the hustle and bustle of parenting and our vocational vocational callings, it's we don't have intentional practices that really allow us to locate our own soul. If we think it matters yeah. where we where we work, we, they, they say with the business and where we live, location, location, location. Well, that also matters for our soul. Location, location, location. Can you locate your own soul in relation to God? Because that that in relation determines what kind of relationship we have with him. So sacred is a way of life, stillness, attentiveness, cruciformity, revelation, examine, doxology, that lets us locate our own soul daily, every day in relation to God. So we have a real honest relationship with God, which allows us to have a real healthy relationship with our kids and with our partners. Mm. So um, Waymaker is not just about, um, not just, I think it's one thing to hand people a compass and say, this is a way of life, a rhythm of life. So that when you hit the waves, you have a way that lets you walk on the waves because your eyes are fixed on Jesus. That's one thing. But I think it's really important to say, this is what happens in your life when you don't have an intentional practice and an intentional way of life. So I I think it was really important to be really vulnerable because you know what? We all need to know we're not alone in getting the turns wrong. Right, right. I know you guys are loving Ann Voskamp. She's amazing. Let me jump in here for just a minute and thank our sponsors. Focusonthefamily.org is a part of today's show and you need to check out their really cute children's books. They have a great way of doing this that is entertaining, but also teaches important lessons like kindness and honesty and bravery. And Otter Be Hopeful is one of those books. It's about a cute little animal, Otter B and his friends, and they learn all kinds of lessons. And each story concludes with a cute rhyme that will reinforce the lesson that they're teaching our kids. And so you can get the Otter Bee series. The latest one is Otter Bee Hopeful. They're all at focusonthefamily.org or anywhere that you get books for your kids. And then also be sure to join the 2,000 parents who've already taken the Parenting Prayer Challenge. You go to parentingprayerchallenge.com. You'll receive 31 days of emails that come every morning with scripture and a topic to pray over your kids. And what a great way to help us have a powerful habit of praying over our kids. It's a spiritual discipline and it's an important one. And I know we all need more prayer in our homes. So go to parentingprayerchallenge.com. Check it out completely free. Just give them your email and then you'll start receiving the 31 days of prayer prompts. 
as you talk about this, it makes me think about, and you're talking about this whole acronym and, and I'm, we won't go through it all, read the book. Yes. Folks, yes. But it's the stillness to know God in the attentiveness to hear God yes. in these places. And so I was thinking about Elijah and I was thinking about, you know, yeah. when he got so upset and was, uh, you know, somebody, he got bad word, bad news that, you know, they wanted to kill him. He had just come off this high and seen God do the miraculous. And then he's, so he goes as far as he can, basically away from everyone and everything. And he leaves community and he's out by himself. Yes. Right. And, and, and the Lord provides for him, like in a very physical sense and food and rest. And then the Lord, Lord says, you know, go. And he goes to this cave. And so he's looks and, and, you know, we all know the story of how he's looking for God in the big places, you know, is he going to be in the storm and the thunder or the whatever, but you know, the, the Lord came in that still whisper in the quiet. And what always strikes me with that is that one, he had the stillness to hear God and two, he had the attentiveness to hear God's voice, which meant he knew God's voice. And yeah. I think about that in my own life. I'm like, I wonder if I had been that situation. I totally would have run away and, and like you said, not been vulnerable, tried to get away from everybody, probably leave community. Um, I probably would have cried out to God at some point, maybe not as authentically and vulnerably as I could have, but would I have had the practice of that stillness and attentiveness to be quiet, hear God and to discern his voice. And I think that's, it just reminds me of what you're getting at is that's a spiritual discipline. It is. And the world has, we are have so much noise, Cynthia. Yeah. And it is hustle, 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 go, go, go. And if we don't have a spiritual discipline, a practice of, I am going to start the day with stillness. I am going to have moments in the day when I feel overwhelmed. <laughs> what does the Lord tell us to do? Be still and the Lord will go to battle for you. Like our strength is found in our stillness. And I, I'm not I'm not sure. I know at least with me, <laughs> at least with me, with the six kids, the seven kids, it yeah. can be so loud. Did I have a practice that says stillness is my strength because stillness says you're trusting him still. And to really realize that um, any real way through knows that the first step is always first stilling your soul. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a, a stressful, tense situation with kids, like the first thing you know, need to do is how do I calm my soul right now and be still? Because out of if my if my strength is found in my stillness, I need to go ahead and practice that stillness muscle. So in crisis and stress with kids, do I have an intentionality around if I'm still, I won't react. <laughs> I will respond out of a place where I can actually hear the Holy Spirit say, these are the words that you need to say. This is the way to walk in it. Yes. And, and it's so not only countercultural, but it's so counter to who we are, what we want to do. Like the last thing I want to do is when I'm getting in panic mode or when I'm frustrated or when I feel like I've been attacked or wrong is to be still in that. I mean, I want to self-preserve. And so why do, why do you think that is Cynthia? I think, well, you know, it's interesting because something happened just like literally two days ago that was a place that was really tough in my life. And I called my person, you know, like my husband's yep. always my person, but I called my other person that I don't have to clean up to tell the story. And I'm, and I have tears in my eyes and I'm explaining it to her. And she's like, I think this is the moment where you decide, do you trust God? Yes. Like, are you, and I think like for me in that moment, it boiled down to that. My stillness, I could either move forward and try to self-preserve and try to write what yes. I felt like was wrong. Or I could just step back and say like, it's yours, God. Like, 
you, you do the justice or don't whatever you want to do in this situation. I'm going to leave it to you. And, and my friend was like, this is a trust issue. Do you trust him yes. in this spot? And I think that's so often, do we trust him in the hardest place of our parenting or when our kids are excluded or when our marriage got really hard yes. or when though we didn't, you know, we had infertility issues or the adoption didn't, didn't go through. Like, do, where is that place where there, I really have to say like, do I trust him? And if so, then I think it starts with that stillness. It does. It really, our our evidence of our trusting him is proven by whether we can really step into a place of stillness. Like in, in Hebrew, that word still means to, to cause to fall, to, to let go. So when God, God invites us to know him, it's really an invitation to still long enough and, and to simply let go, let go of all the fears, let go of all the worries that have a hold of us. So God can, God can take hold of us and stillness really it's, it's to let it all fall away and, and see that the way himself will be the way through. We trust the way that he is going to make and I like mm-hmm. stillness is all about letting go of all of our control and resting how God is actually in control. Yeah. And, and you know what, it's, it's not my default, Cynthia. It really isn't. And you know, I, it's a practice that I still is like, we think, oh, well, the people who can be still are the people it just comes naturally to. <laughs> and really it's a practice we have to learn and intentionality. And, and if, if our stillness says that I'm actually trusting God, mm-hmm. our stillness with our children says that they can trust us when they come to us in crisis. Our yeah. stillness says that, that I know that if I come to mom, to dad, and I'm in a tough place, I know mom and dad aren't going to react or um, <laughs> explode in me in any way. They are going to be really still and be open-handed to receive. And I can trust that their heart is for me. So it's not just our stillness, practicing it with God. As we practice it with the Lord, it also really engenders deep trust and attachment yeah. in our own relationships. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter had a tough situation in college the last couple of weeks. And, you know, when your kid is gone in college and you've spent their life kind of trying to protect them, even though I tried not to, but I still did. And, and she had this hard situation. And, and so, um, for Valentine's day, there's a jewelry store she loves there. And they had, I had a little bracelet, um, engraved, just said, be still. And, um, so she, she, uh, she went and picked it up and I told her later, I'm like, listen, everything in me wants to fix this for you. Everything in me wants you to go try to fix this and everything I know about God tells me that we just wait and we just trust him. So I said, I just want you to wear this and I just want you to be still and I'm going to be still. And that's going to be our mantra for the next month and maybe oh, the next six so months. Powerful. And so she, anyway, she has her little be still bracelet. And I was, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, who should have bought myself one? Should have gotten a two for one. Apparently so powerful, Cynthia, because really stillness is how our soul is embracing God's will. And it lets go of our trying to be our own God still. Yeah. So be still. I mean, scripture says, be still and know that I am God. And they flip it the other way. No stillness, no God, Mm -hmm. but no stillness. And then we actually know God. Mm -hmm. So it really, it is absolutely critical that we practice that, that discipline of stillness. And it's about, if we want to learn the art of stillness and knowing God, we have to be able to locate our soul and say, what are you willing to withdraw from? to be still and draw close to God. Mm-hmm. So I think lots of times we think, we think in a crisis, 
I don't want to withdraw at all. I don't want to be still. I need to act. I need to move forward. I need to do something. But if we can withdraw to be still, you're right, Cynthia. That's yeah. when we start to heal the, hear the whisper of the Lord to mm-hmm. say, this is the way, walk in it. Walk in it. Yes. Okay. And so you talk also in this book, and this really was, was so good. You're talking about, and when we're talking about this life we've always dreamed of, and this whole notion of our dreams and, and you, you really kind of put into place in a really good place, perspective and mm. expectation, especially. Oh, yeah. And so let's just, um, I'm going to set aside perspective and say, um, we'll talk about another day, but you talk about expectation in yeah. particular. Yeah. And, um, it's interesting because I think we all have the head knowledge of knowing, like the Bible is very clear that in this world, there will be trouble. Um, and so there will be hard and we know that. And, and one of my favorite things, um, you know, I'm a Francis Chan addict. I love everything he writes yes, and, says, yes, and, yes. Yes, and how he always talks about like, you know, what if we stop praying for safety and we just pray to know God better? What would that look like? Yes, and, you know, imagine. Yes. And, and so all these things, I have this head knowledge, but then when, when the bottom kind of falls out or it doesn't look like, um, it was supposed to. I realized that the expectation has gotten in the way. Yeah. And um, I would just love for you to speak in that. You write so beautifully about it. What have you learned in that area? Well, you know, we're all looking for a good way through. No. And we, instead of having a GPS, we have an EPS, an internal expectational positioning system. And that EPS, it, it comes with expectations of where we think we should be now on the road, where we think our kids should be now on the road, um, where the road, how the road was supposed to go, expectations of how we'd be loved, um, expectations of timelines, um, of the way we really expected everything to kind of work out in our relationships. And, and expectations expectations can slay relationships, especially with God. And I think expectations so much, Cynthia, it's about distance, about where I thought I should be on the road. It's about comparison. (laughs) And wherever we we measure the seeming distance between where we are or where our kids are, where someone else is, what happens is discontent is what fits into our souls. And Measuring sticks for our kids, measuring sticks in all of our relationships, measuring sticks with us, measuring sticks are, I mean, they're sticks, they're self-harming. Comparison, comparison will always be soul maiming. And if you liken, if you compare your journey to someone else's journey and expectations of where you should be compared to them, it it really is, it's a way of, um, it's a way of hating your own soul and it's a way of scarring ourselves. So I think we need to to really realize exactly what you said, we, all of our roads, all of our ways to change our expectations that, that the road should be easy and realize that this is a broken world. We are all going to have very hard roads. You're suffering not because you did something wrong. You're suffering because you're human and this is a broken world and we are all broken. So life, life is never made unbearable by the road itself but by the way we bear the roads. We have to change our expectations. And what actually slays us is the expectation, the expectation that the road isn't what we hoped it would be. So I think we need to change our expectations and realize I'm human. This is a broken world and I I am broken. I am Mm -hmm. sinful. I'm going to get things wrong. So all of my roads will go through Gethsemane's. All of my roads will have suffering. And I don't have to shirk back from that. I don't have to be afraid of that. I need to to reach out my hand, take the way himself. 
He will lead me through the Gethsemane. And when we, we trust him enough not to turn away, which I did in so many ways, not to turn away on that Gethsemane road, but to take the hand of the waymaker himself, walk through the Gethsemane road, walk towards Calvary, because there is the empty garden tomb on the other side, because there is the rolled stone on the other side. There is resurrection and renewal and new life that rises out of that wreckage. We can trust the waymaker is making a way to a better way. Mm. Mm -mm. And you say this, you talk about how so often, um, you know, we look for the miracle, but there's not the miracle we were anticipating. And again, this goes to expectation, but you talk about how really the obstacle is the miracle. Is the miracle. The obstacle. I mean, that's a hard thing to accept mm. because obstacles are painful. Mm -hmm. Obstacles. And I, I don't mean I don't mean I didn't get the parking spot I wanted when I, when I went right. to the <laughs> I'm talking right. about obstacles like really, really heartbreaking situations with our children. I'm talking about diagnoses that you would do anything in the world to change. I'm talking about grief and loss that are like breaking your heart. And you trust that in the midst of those kinds of obstacles, God is working a miracle to form and shape your soul into far more than you ever imagined. Those places, the valley that you find yourself in, that valley is the valley of his cupped hands. That valley is the potter's hands, and he's going to use this heartbreaking situation to shape you into being more like Christ himself. And the obstacle, you, you, we want to be like Jesus, we say. We say that's what we want. Well, to, Jesus was a man of sorrows, a man of suffering, a man that went through valley and trial. God's going to use all of, all of those valleys to, to sanctify us, to refine us. And the pain that we feel, that valley, we are in the valley of cupped hands. It's the hand of a surgeon. He that it, The pain, it is deep and it, it hurts and it wounds, but he's doing it to make us more like Jesus, to heal us. I, I mean... And I'm not saying this because um, we've had a brutal year. Um, my my father was was killed this mm -hmm. past spring in the same um, on this in the same yard, the same farmyard, killed the same way as my little sister was killed, which is the opening chapter of One Thousand Gifts, and um, so both sorry. were crushed and killed in um, a farmyard. Yeah. Um, and so, as I actually just as I was finishing writing Waymaker. Um, and you think, wow, why in the world would God allow a story like this that seems so real that your father is killed under the tires of a tractor like your sister was killed um, under the tires of a truck in the same farmyard? Can I still trust the good ways of God? Can I trust that this is a world of ways this, the way of this story connects with the way of that story, which connects with the way of, it's a, a million, billion, trillion stories and the ways of all of them connect with each other. And the only one that understands the ways of all of our stories, the only one that can understands and orchestrates and can navigate how all of the ways of our stories connect to each other is the way himself. And I am going to, if I understood how all the ways connected, that would make me God. 
and I'm not God. His ways are higher than mine. So I'm going to trust that what looks like what is in the way is actually making the way that is good and redemptive that God intends. I'm going to trust that the obstacle in front of me, the Lord in his omniscient, omnipresent, powerful ways, his sovereign good ways, that obstacle will be a miracle in my life to make me more like Jesus. We don't just have a good God. We have a kind Abba Father who is for us. So if my, my Abba Father reigns over the world, fear cannot reign in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so I'll wrap us up with these words. I love, I heard you speak these and maybe in your book as well. Um, you talked about how when we're walking these roads, um, you know, when, when we're, we're trying to get to the life we've always dreamed of that maybe we need to kind of reframe and realize that in all the places that we want clarity, that yes. God wants community with us and in the places we want a roadmap that he wants relationship. Yes. And I just love for you to encourage us on that. You know, we do, we want clarity. God actually wants communion. We want a map and God's why would, why would, why would God give us a map when he can give us himself? Yeah. Yeah. We, we say, we say, I, I, there's no way through. And he, he lifts our face so tenderly in his hands tilts our chin to look in his eyes and say, like, I am the way. When you don't see the way through, we're turned in the wrong direction. We don't have to walk the whole way back. We don't have to find the way through. We don't have to make the way through. All we need to do is have a way of life, a practical rhythm of life that keeps turning our eyes upon Jesus, who is the way himself. There is a way maker who will make the way through. All we need to do is turn our eyes and have a rhythm of life that keeps our eyes fixed on him. So we live in the way himself. Mm -mm. All right, everybody. I could, I could, I feel like I need to move and live with your pigs so that I can just hear your sweet voice. <laughs> oh, be a neighbor, but yes. only on one condition, Cynthia, you have yeah. to bring sunshine to all my snow. Well, I can't, we have a wintery mix and I can barely get out of my house. Okay. It's very dangerous territory over here, um, Okay, but I'll just move the pigs and all of yeah. us down to you next door. Sounds yes, good. please do. We will have plenty of blazing heat in no time. Well, it's Waymaker finding the way to the life you've always dreamed of and, Anne, point us to anything else you want us to, how do we find you anything yeah, else? Yeah, I'm just annvosscamp.com. Um, if you want to find me on the web or annvosscamp, um, on Facebook or Instagram. And it would just be, it would be a privilege and an honor to be on the way with you as we lean into the way himself, who is always making the way through. Mm, that's beautiful. Well, I, for one, I don't know why I don't follow Ann Voskamp, but as soon as I get off this, I will be following. Perfect. Well, I, so it, be looking for me. Sister. If you're going to follow Ann Voskamp, all I'm doing is following the way himself, Cynthia. Well, I can't wait to do this. So Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what a gift and a grace. Press on, sister. You are loved. All right. I know you loved Ann Voskamp. She is amazing. And so her book is Waymaker, Finding the Way to the Life You've Always Dreamed of. I've linked it in podcast notes. And there's just like bits of wisdom 
sprinkled all through it. So I know you're going to want to check that out. And I also just want to reiterate, I love what she has to say about just vulnerability. And so take that this week and be vulnerable in your relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with those around us. Everyone needs us to be honest and forthright about the places we're getting it right, the places where the Lord's working in our lives. I think that just makes such an impact on those around us. And so if you take nothing else, I would just say, do that. Be vulnerable, be authentic, and then be still before the Lord. I'm so grateful that you guys are with us. We know your days are busy. So as always, thank you for joining us as we pardon the mess.